This is Organic Life, a podcast for those interested in eating and living in a healthier, more sustainable way. A way that works with nature instead of against it. Speaking of nature, on this episode we're going to kick things off by asking the question, what are some of the reasons that make organic food better for the environment? Let's hear first from Rosie of Meadow Sweet Organics. Well, I think the, the biodiversity part of it is really key. So here on the farm, we grow probably more than 50 different kinds of vegetable and lots of different varieties. So that's a huge amount of biodiversity. We've also got areas on the farm that we're not cultivating. So, you know, we're really encouraging a lot of wildlife and plant life and bird life. So I think, you know, it has a a big impact on the environment and as well obviously not using chemicals. What do you think are the key differences between a large, a so-called large-scale or small-scale organic farm? Because I could go into Asda's and there's uh, there's organic spinach and stuff like that, but presumably there's a bit of a difference to, to you know how this stuff is grown to what we've got going on here. Yeah, I think that also relates back to what I said before about the biodiversity. So some, you know, the basic definition of organic is growing without chemicals, and you can do that, but that crop that you're growing might be a monoculture. So you could have a whole field of broccoli, which is technically organic, but then what's missing there is the biodiversity aspect. So, you know, the more different crops you have, then if one crop would suffer from some kind of pest or disease, you've got much more backup and you've got much more biodiversity that's bringing in your um, plants and animals to the farm as well. So we'll have diversity in terms of growing a a large diversity of crops, but we also have diversity within each crop we're growing that will grow more than one variety of of each crop. And then that, you know, has knock-on effects for the whole ecosystem of your farm because in that polyculture, you'll have different plants attracting different beneficial insects and pollinators, which, you know, in a in a monocropped field for bees, for example, say it's a a field of oilseed rape, that will be like a desert for bees until, you know, the couple months that that, uh, the rape season flower. Um, But when in polyculture, you have different plants flowering at different times, providing pollen and nectar at different times. And and so you're really uh, encouraging your insects and diversity of of all the wild creatures that are a part of your farm as well. Soil quality and soil biology. I've heard it said before that organic farmers are are soil biologists in a sense because you're you're working with the soil just as much as you're working with the plants. Is that along the, the, the right lines? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as an organic farmer, the soil is probably the number one most important thing to what I do. And I think not a lot of people realise it, but soil uh, is actually becoming endangered because of deforestation and because of monocultures in agriculture, then a lot of soil is becoming eroded. And there's very little really good quality soil in the world because you really need to work to look after good soil um, and to, to build it, you know, and to encourage worms and the a lot of the science that's coming out about soil now is about actually how it's all connected and you have these mycorrhizal fungal connections within the soil as well which are really important for it being healthy too. 
Well, it's absolutely vital, isn't it? I mean, the soil is the key, really. And it's, it's, not, it's not the um, mineral content of the soil. It's the organic matter and all the microbes and the fungi and bacteria there in the soil. And they, they form these incredible relationships with plants. So you get this, and, and they are extracting and actually breaking down the minerals in the soil and making them become soluble to help the plant absorb all the nutrients that are in the soil, which are naturally there. And without that, then the plants just aren't going to have the same vitality and growth. So it's essentially, you actually feed the soil rather than the plants. That's the whole philosophy of organics, really. By incorporating organic matter and growing green manures and so on, you're actually encouraging the life of the soil, which in turn gives life to the plants and the animals if you've got animals as well. It's the most important thing on an organic farm by far. And we really love exploring different ways um, of working with the soil, which will be, you know, be the most beneficial for building fertility and cultivating uh, all of the microorganisms that live in the soil and the fungi as well. You know, it's fascinating to hear about how, you know, the role that mycorrhizal fungi plays in the soil. And, you know, trees can kind of communicate with each other and warn each other of diseases coming or or drought conditions or something like that through the, the fungi in the soil. And it's the same with, with vegetables. It's uh, it's just this fantastic world that that science is really still has has so much exploring to do, and there's so many things that are happening under the ground that we just do not understand yet. And I think that's um, that's a really big thing for me. I think organics is is often about being a little bit precautionary, you know, understanding that I think as humans we often have a tendency to think we you know have this really deep understanding of of the world and there's so much that we don't know yet so doing not doing harm is actually quite you know difficult <laughs> i'm definitely not a technological optimist <laughs> i think that you know we should try and and let nature do it the way it's been doing it and and interfere as as little as we can so on our farm we've started a no dig system uh, which has been fantastic and and because it really is quite unnatural to turn the soil and you're mixing all the different layers that wouldn't normally be mixed. Um, so there are quite a few different sections of our farm where we're doing no dig and so we're not ever turning the soil, we're just adding organic matter on top of the soil and growing straight into that. And so we're not disturbing uh, the mycorrhizal fungi, we're not disturbing the worms that the, and the networks of channels that the worms have made uh, uh, organic matter gets put on top and then it's pulled down into the soil by the microorganisms and earthworms in the soil rather than being mechanically turned in and there's been studies to show that has really beneficial effects on soil structure on avoiding compaction on uh, the soil's ability to hold moisture and, you know, that's the same thing that's happening in in a wild forest. You know, uh, trees are just falling down, decomposing on the surface of the soil. All the leaves are falling down, decomposing on the surface of the soil. So that's a system that we're trying to, to recreate. And so it's, you know, a hands-off system. Let the natural cycles do it. And I've 
kind of have this gut feeling that that's ultimately going to be the best for, for our soil. But it's a very difficult thing to do on a large scale and we're not all the way there yet. We've just done a little bit of plowing, a little bit of rotifacing. But as we keep troubleshooting this system, we hope to be a fully no-dig farm in, in the next couple of years. From a consumer point of view, there's no getting around it. Eating organic can be less convenient and more expensive. If you're used to buying all your food in one low-cost go during your weekly trip to the supermarket, it's going to be tough to completely overhaul that all at once. Especially if you're on a tight budget, a stretch for time, and you have a family to feed. So if you wanted to start with a few smaller changes, what are some of the foods we should prioritise? And what are the non-organic foods we should strive to avoid as much as possible? Each year, the Environmental Working Group, that's a non-partisan, non-profit organisation, they publish two lists. One's called the Dirty Dozen and the other is called the Clean 15. The Dirty Dozen shows us the foods that tend to have the highest pesticide residues in them, whilst the Clean 15 are foods with the lowest. So we'll put links to these findings in the show notes over at organiclife.me. And in the meantime, let's ask our farmers their thoughts on it all. When people think about the most important organic food, or the most important food to buy organically, then they think about fruits and vegetables that have softer skins, that are more permeable for chemicals to to be present in them. Um, So I think most people know about that. But I think the other vegetables and fruits that are really important are actually wheat is a really big one. Um, wheat is sprayed really soon before harvest with, with chemicals and I think that's why a lot of people actually experience gluten intolerance because they're actually reacting to the chemicals that the wheat is sprayed with and there's a lot of research coming out about this at the moment and potatoes and apples are I think the other really big ones that not a lot of people realise because of how much um, they are sprayed to prevent diseases like blight happening. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard about things about like um, strawberries and spinach being some of the the crops that are found the highest pesticide residues and and kale as well. Also, from my perspective, um, meat and dairy would be one of the the real, I mean, it's kind of funny coming from a, a vegetable farmer, but if, if you're, you're going to eat meat and dairy products, that's something I would really stress to try and, and buy organic where you're able uh, because you have the extra concern about antibiotics. Um, and it, we're kind of in an, an interesting you know, phase for meat and dairy at the moment. With, with We've just had a, a veganuary and there's been a big rise in, in the vegan diet, which is you know, fantastic that people are, are starting to look at the environmental consequences of of eating meat and dairy products every day. From my perspective, I think that meat and dairy products can still be a really important part of our our diet. We just need to kind of readdress how how we're looking at it. I think it would be unfortunate for meat and dairy products which are produced organic and locally to be replaced by industrially grown maize and soya, which is often responsible for deforestation. So I think, you know, this is a fantastic, you know, point to start thinking about our diets and their impact on the environment and consider 
cutting down on the amount of meat and dairy that we do eat because they do result in in lots of of emissions and having a, a quality over quantity. So eating you know small amounts of organically produced meat and dairy products for me would be would be a, the ideal solution as opposed to to looking at a strictly uh, vegan diet. All of these animals have have a huge part to play in soil fertility. And when we're speaking about kind of closing that loop in the organic system, so you can strive to that ideal farm where you have no inputs, having some animals involved in that system is is incredibly important. So I would be looking at, you know, conservation grazing and and pasture-fed organic animals, which are are providing fertility and, and life to the soil rather than conventional or grain-fed. Brady raises an interesting point here, because if you do choose to eat meat, you then need to think not only about your own diet, but the diet of those animals who are ending up on your plate. This is a lot harder than it is with fruit and veg, because there's so many other variables, right down to the ethical question of how these animals lived and how they were treated. That's where the community element comes in, because it's hard when you're in the supermarket and and he's, he's... Ethical questions just become so complicated. You know, you're you're not just looking for for that label. You you you're you want to know that that animal was raised in in a in a good way, and that animal had had the proper diet. And and you know, is it local? Is it not local? Is it organic? Is it not organic? What was its diet? There's so many questions, and and it becomes overwhelmingly complex, and that's the. The, you know, the saddest thing about it is that what we eat used to be, you know, a matter you would know, you would know the farmer and and you would have have a relationship. And then it's not ethically that that difficult because you can see it. And as you know, once food becomes so distanced from the consumer, there's this huge space for all of these things to happen and all of these questions to arise. Uh, and it becomes very complicated when, <laughs> when unfortunately, you know, it didn't, all, it wasn't, didn't always have to be like that. You've been listening to Organic Life, a podcast for those interested in eating and living in a healthier, more sustainable way. A way that works with nature instead of against it. You'll find links to Meadow Sweet Organics, Pillars of Hercules and Falkland Kitchen Farm in the show notes over on our website, organiclife.me. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.